0: She girds herself with strengths and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hand to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hands to the poor, reaches out to the needy. She's not afraid for her household when it snows, for all of her household is clothed. She makes herself coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the city gates, taking his seat among the elders of the land. She makes them linen garments and sells them. She supplies the merchant with sashes. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband too, he praises her.
1: Many women have
0: done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her a share in the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the city gates. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't think I measure up. (laughs) And in the New Testament, we read from Luke, Then his mother, we're speaking of Jesus, and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. But Jesus said to them, my mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Thanks be to God. So, today is Mothering Sunday. It's the day that many of us idealize motherhood. So this morning, I give honor to all mothers, those who are mothers because they were (coughs) called to be a parent, those who aren't mothers and wish that they were, those who are mothers and wonder why, Hmm. those who are mothering other people's children, those who understand that mothering has no gender, those who understand that God's love is the love of father and mother, The love that suckles her children, as we read in Isaiah. The love that experiences the pain of loss and disappointment as the wrenching pangs of childbirth. Now, for those who don't idealize mothers, it's a good thing that you can buy a card. Because you can get a mother for any, you can get a card for a mother of any circumstance. A mother of many, mother for the first time, biological mothers, stepmothers, adopted mothers, chosen mothers, estranged mothers, sisters who are like mothers, aunts who are mothers, mothers who aren't very mothering. And then there are the cards for mothers you love, mothers who are sick, mothers who have died, mothers who annoy you, mothers who have cost you years in therapy. And then there's the catch-all category, any mother. So no matter what kind of relationship you have or have had with the person who mothered you, she or he provided you with some significant lessons by their word, by their presence, or in their absence. So this morning, I invite you to remember the lessons that you learned from your mothers lessons that have helped you to engage with god's people in a loving way through jesus christ we are all members of one family the family of god family matters to god and in scriptures we read the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything i have said i believe that one of the ways the Holy Spirit is manifest in our lives is through the relationship that we have with our parents. So, in the spirit of Mothering Sunday, I'd like to share a few of the lessons that I've learned in my mother's home. Lessons that have helped me to engage with my siblings and that have helped me to embrace all of God's children as my brothers and my sisters. So, number one, they're 10, if you are concrete sequential and you want to know how far we have to go there can <laughs> number one at least one of us is crazy crazy eccentric especially gifted especially needed every family has someone who is different someone who marches to a different drummer someone who makes up someone who makes the others look bad someone who makes the others look normal If you don't think that you have someone in your family who's crazy, maybe it's you. You may have someone who makes the others crazy. Love them anyway. Number two, mom has favorites. Do you think that Mary of Nazareth didn't have a favorite child? Of course she did as do all mothers, even though they tell us, oh, I just love all my children just the same. I love them all and I love them differently. I tell each one of them they're my favorite. The point is that it's impossible to have more than one of something and not have a favorite one. So if you are a parent, you want to think about equity, not equality. The goal is to have each child feel loved and understood and appreciated and encouraged. And you have to do different things with each child to get that result. So most of the time, the favorite has no clue that their world is different from their siblings. So you don't want to waste your energy being angry or resentful. Cultivate the friends who love you in the way you need to be loved. Create a family of choice if your family of birth is not working for you. (laughs) Number three, the first and the last get the most. (laughs) I think it's written in the parent's manual. It certainly is biblical. Think about Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, Isaac and Ishmael, Mary and Martha. It's definitely a fact of life. So if you aren't the first or the last, Then be the smartest, be the brightest, be the most attractive, be the richest, or be the crazy one. Otherwise, you're going to get lost in the shadows. (laughs) Number four, you can't change him. Can you imagine being around the gospel writer that we call John? Throughout his account of the ministry of Jesus, he refers to himself as what? The one whom Jesus loved the best. How arrogant. He must have been very annoying to the other disciples. (laughs) See, so whoever them is in your family, the crazy one, the first one, the last one, the favorite one, the parents, the siblings, you can't change them. So you might as well be nice to them because there's no excuse for being rude even if you don't like them you can be kind to the people in your family as long as you're clear about your boundaries and if you don't have something nice to say about any of your sibs just wait till they leave the room and then say it behind their back <laughs> number five forgiveness is essential when jesus was asked how many times should one be forgiven his response was seven times 70. i got to tell you this was the first one of the first math lessons that we got my brother and i got in our household because our grandmother would always say you should forgive them And how often how many times it's seven times 70. and so we had to grow a little bit to so we could do that math in our heads so seven times 70 that's the estimate but remember that forgiveness is not being stupid. Forgiveness doesn't require reconciliation. Forgiveness is about you and God. Forgiveness means releasing those things that get in the way of your relationship with God. We belong to God and we are connected the family of God. And yet there's something about the pull of family ties, even if we can't stand them, we still long to feel connected to them. So if you are holding on to resentments and anger or hurt, there's not going to be much room for love and compassion and generosity. Now you don't have to live with them or celebrate all the holidays with them or even let them sleep at your house. The important thing is to let go of the stuff that gets in the way of your relationship with God. Just let it go. Number six, chosen family may be nicer. One of the most important lessons that I learned in my mother's home was that if you don't like the family you have, go create one that works for you. So military families, families that move a great deal, families that don't work well sometimes need help. And the healthy people in them learn this lesson early. So many people have two families or three, their biological family and their chosen family. The value for family is so great and the number of people on the planet is so large that if your family doesn't work for you because they're too big or they're too small or they're too far away or they're too sick or they're too crazy, you can go get another one. When Jesus was told his biological mother and siblings were there to visit him, his reply was, My family is those people who seek to do the will of God. Lots of choices. Number seven, don't be generous to a fault. If you can't afford to give it away, don't loan it. It's a hard lesson to learn. You want to be generous and compassionate, but you don't want to be stupid and you don't want to be an enabler. Jesus said, pick up your bed and walk. He didn't say, here, let me carry your bed for you. He called to Simon Peter to get out of the boat and come across the lake. He didn't go to Peter with a motorboat and say, here, I'll take you across the lake. He told Zacchaeus to come down, climb down from the tree. He didn't send the paramedics to go get them. Jesus helped, but he didn't enable So how can you do this? You can say, if someone asks you for yet another loan, when can you pay me back? Not how much, but when can you pay me back? That's the first thing you say. Or my favorite is, well, I loaned your sister some money and she hasn't paid me back yet. Why don't you get it from her? And then you can say, um, no, I'm not going to do it this time because I don't want to support your dependency. I don't want to enable your dependency. So try it out. You don't try all of them at once, but just try one, baby steps, to get to the point where you help but you don't enable. Number eight, sometimes no is the best answer. Just because they're family doesn't mean you must say yes. You must be clear about your boundaries and what's not okay for you. You want to be clear in your communication. You don't have an obligation to explain why. It's imperative that you speak the truth with love, but you don't say yes unless you mean it. So when you say no, you want to say it clearly. So you don't give reasons and lots of explanations because you're giving them ammunition to argue against you. So you work from a script if you need to. You practice ahead of time. And then you be a broken record or a stuck CD, depending on how old you are. And you say the same thing over and over again. Or you make a referral. You say, well, no, I'm not going to do that. Go ask your father. You offer an alternative. No, I'm not going to do X, but I could do Q. That would be helpful for you. And then you remember that the best way to say yes is yes and. Not yes, but. Number nine, leave a legacy that you are proud of. See, in spite of the family you come from, no matter what they did or didn't do to you, at some point you are on your own and responsible for your own behavior and your own craziness. So to new parents, I always say that when you start the college fund, you also start a therapy fund. So when your kid is old enough to blame you for ruining his or her life, you apologize, give them the money, and tell them to go get some help. (laughs) (laughs) To adults whose family isn't quite the right fit, just remember that if you are old enough to blame your family for how you are, you are also old enough to do something about it. The bottom line is this, my friends. Number 10, we are all family, like it or not. Regardless of your family of birth or your family of choice, and families of choice are not all perfect, we all belong to the family of God. So let's try to remember that and make our divine parent proud of all of us. Happy Mothering Day.